Hello, and welcome to the One Book One Northwestern podcast. My name is Baylor Spears, and I'm your host. Since you will be hearing my voice all year, I wanted to tell you a little bit about me. I'm a sophomore at Northwestern, and I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. Here at school, I'm studying journalism and political science. I'm not exactly sure what I want to do with that in the future, but I do know that right now I really enjoy creating print and audio content, hence why I'm working on this podcast. I've done quite a few things in audio since I started at Northwestern. Most recently, I interned at Knoxville's local NPR station over the summer, and I'm also a part of WNUR News, which is Northwestern's version of NPR. I also find U.S. politics really important and interesting, so I'm trying to learn as much about that as I can. Um, Really, I'm just exploring lots of different subjects because that's the point of college. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get on with this year's theme. Over the course of this year, we're going to be exploring some of the themes of this year's one book, Hidden Figures by Margot Shetterly. Many of you may be at least a little familiar with the story and may have seen the movie. For those of you who aren't familiar, Hidden Figures tells the story of black female mathematicians who worked as computers, which was an actual job title, at NASA before and during the space race um, during the mid-1950s. The story details the circumstances that these women worked under and how their work and calculations led to some of America's greatest space achievements. While the story is really about all of these women, it focuses on the lives of three African-American women in particular, Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson. The book addresses a wide range of ideas and issues, including race, gender, higher education, the space race, and family. These concepts, which are explored in the context of the book, continue to have an impact on people 50, 60, even 70 years later. On October 17, 2019, Margot Shetterly was the keynote speaker on campus. She came and talked about the research process and the impact that the story has made since she brought it to light. I also talked to Northwestern students and staff about hidden figures and what the story means to them. So, let's get started. Shetterly grew up in Hampton, Virginia, which is home to Langley Research Center, the oldest of NASA's field centers in the U.S. She explained that she grew up surrounded by scientists at NASA, including her dad, who worked as a research scientist, a job few African Americans held then and now. And it's here that she discovered her interest in the story of NASA's human computers. I think there are two answers to that. One is being curious about a conversation that my dad and my husband were having about the women who worked at NASA. So it was sort of like this book came out of that conversation. Shetterly said as she listened to her father and husband discuss these women, she recognized that she didn't really know this part of the story. She didn't know how so many women of color at the time ended up at NASA. She asked herself, why have we never heard this story before? The deeper answer to that question is really a desire to kind of understand more about the city that I came from, Hampton, Virginia. And what I really view as my origin story, which had to do with my dad working at NASA 
and his career really having been supported by the work that these women did in the 1940s and 50s and early 60s. Shetterly said she didn't plan on becoming an author, but this story kind of changed her professional identity. I really believe the story found me, so it wasn't so much that I said I want to be a writer as I want to write this story. She said, it was the combination of this new unexplored territory, the sheer volume of information she gathered, and contextualizing so many pieces of the story that made the writing difficult. There was the space and science technology element. There was the kind of American history element. There was the civil rights element. There was the gender history. You know, there were all these different things. There was the local history that happened in Hampton, Virginia. There were so many different elements to this story, and it was overwhelming at times. Uh, so I think the biggest challenge was really figuring out how to take this huge, huge archive, treasure of information, and turning it, turn it into a story that someone else would be interested in, um, and do that not having written a book before. Shetterly said to go through all of this information, she had to take it in layers. She started off by interviewing some of the women and their loved ones about their lives and work at NASA. Then she went through archives of information and dug into some of the science to create a map of exactly what they were doing. The work that these women did, you might think of it as the work that you do in an Excel spreadsheet where you, you know, put different values in and you apply certain operations and then you get values out and then you figure out what does that information mean. A day in the life for one of NASA's computers could change depending on where they were at with the data. One day, someone may be capturing data from experiments in a wind tunnel and the next copying the data onto a spreadsheet then doing calculations with it and as the space race began the mission shifted a little but the work remained mostly the same of course during the space age they started working on the mercury capsule and you know the challenge became not how are we going to get plane a from you know from point b to point c but how are we going to shoot a man into space, orbit him around the Earth, and bring him back to Earth safely? So the, the nature of the problem evolved over time, but always in some way involved with this problem, putting it into terms that could be measurable, doing experimentation, and then kind of applying the answers to those experiments to whatever the engineering problem was. She also explained that as these women started moving up the hierarchy at NASA, they would be involved not just with capturing data, but also in helping design the experiments, and they were able to kind of move into more of an engineering role. Shetterly said the title Hidden Figures is kind of a misnomer because these women weren't so much hidden as they were unseen by others and restricted by societal norms at the time. Shetterly pointed to Katherine Johnson as just one example of how the women at NASA had to work to make themselves seen. Johnson worked on essential calculations and research for the Mercury and Apollo missions, but she wasn't initially recognized for her work or allowed into meetings at NASA because she was a black woman. The people always said, you know, Catherine, you can't come to the meeting. There's no precedent for women coming to the meetings. And she said, listen, is there a law against it? I'm going to one day, one way, go to those meetings because my research was in that report and I want to be in the room where it happens. And eventually she was able to do that. Johnson was the first woman to be allowed into these meetings and the first woman in the flight research division to receive credit as an author on a research report. 
Erica Knight, who works in Northwestern's Office of Diversity and Inclusion in the Graduate School, said she found the nuance of the book's title a key point in Shutterly's talk. Um, one of my favorite parts is to hear the author distinguish between being a hidden figure versus being unseen and how the women really did not see themselves as hidden but more so just maybe as unseen and I think that that speaks to a larger issue today with regard to underrepresented populations and the visibility of those populations that's doing the work. This story may have gone unnoticed in the past but now that the women have been placed in the spotlight it's clear the computer's lives resonate with so many. I did not expect <laughs> this impact. It's, it's been a little more than three years since my book first came out. And um, the idea that I'm sitting with you guys here at Northwestern still talking about this book three years later is, is pretty amazing to me. Shetterly said she thinks the book came out in an environment that was primed for a conversation concerning women and underrepresented groups in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, or STEM careers. Their experiences and courage are inspiration for women in these fields today. And I think that's one of the reasons why people have gravitated to these women and to these stories, because even though the times have changed, they, they still provide, I think, an example of how to fight, for example, when you haven't gotten credit on for work that you did, you know, and how to refuse to take no for an answer. Hidden Figures, as both a book and as a movie, received rave reviews. Shetterly said being involved with the movie was an amazing experience and is very happy with the adaptation. But some of the process meant realizing that while the movie would be accurate, it wouldn't necessarily be as detailed or as true to real life as the book. For example, if you remember in the movie, Dorothy Vaughn, a NASA mathematician, drives all the women to work. But in real life, Vaughn never actually learned to drive. Each year, one book holds an essay contest and all incoming freshmen can enter into it. They are provided a prompt and then have to respond to it. This year's winner was a freshman named Lutgardis Ukongutse. She's from Rwanda, Africa. She hasn't decided her major yet, but is leaning towards studying industrial engineering. Her essay is titled Over the Moon. But mostly what I focused on was how I connected personally with, with the book and how I saw it actually impacting the present we're living in. I was kind of giving an analysis of how the book uh, portrays the past and how that past in some ways has affected the present that we live in right now. She started the essay with a story of what happened when she solved a problem in her sixth grade math class. The teacher got so shocked and I think it was because usually I don't speak so much in classes not because I'm shy, but because that's how I am. So when I did, I think, and when I solved a question that uh, some boys couldn't solve, even the smartest boys in our class couldn't solve, the teacher got shocked. Somehow the shock to me meant something. It meant that he couldn't believe that I could do it. She said the book about NASA's human computers is encouraging her to pursue whatever she wants at Northwestern. Somehow, when I read this book about those hidden figures, the women who actually were able to do it in conditions that were so limiting in a society that couldn't believe that they could do it, I realized that it is not about acknowledgement. It's more about what you want to achieve and what you think you can actually do. She said that she knows that there will be challenges in pursuing STEM, like feeling imposter syndrome or having people not believe in her, but... 
If I love STEM, why not go for it? I know my gender and color says something different according to society, but then me, I think that's not going to limit me. So, yeah, the book really pushed me that way. So where is Shetterly headed? She said the next book she's working on is a continuation of Hidden Figures, as she will still focus on this time period. Throughout her research for Hidden Figures, she said she noticed how indispensable the black newspapers were at the time. So, she said she's looking into the people behind those newspapers, and entrepreneurs in Baltimore. It may be a while before we see this story, though, since she is still in the early stages of research. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you're on the lookout for the second episode in the next few weeks. We'll be talking about low-income and first-generation students in higher education with Dr. Anthony Jack, a professor at Harvard and an author of The Privileged Poor, How Elite Colleges Are Failing Disadvantaged Students. Thank you to Nancy Kniff, the director of One Book, and my editorial advisor, Dr. Ava Thompson-Greenwell.